0: The last time that we were with you, we concluded the series of Bible studies that we were doing on uh, the uh, parables of Jesus. And as we are approaching uh, Thanksgiving season, uh, I don't want to go too deep into uh, a long series because we're going to be doing a... uh, A lot of things in December and I don't want things to be disjointed first week in December uh, will be revival we'll have our fall revival Uh, and then the following week uh, we will be announcing very shortly that uh, uh, there has been an acknowledgement by one of our members of their call to the ministry and they're going to be preaching their initial sermon on the second Wednesday in December, and then on the third Wednesday in December, uh, we are going to have our Christmas musical. Uh, and then the fourth Wednesday in December is Christmas. And then the fifth Wednesday in December, well, there is no fifth Wednesday in December. That that next day is New Year's Day. So th- there's a lot that's gonna be going on throughout the month of December. I didn't wanna spend a lot of time getting started on something uh, protracted tonight or next week. We have tonight and next week, and then these things are going to take place. We're not going to have, s- since I'm doing all this housekeeping stuff, let me just say this, we're not going to have uh, uh, Bible study on the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. Uh, uh, that, that that just doesn't make sense to me, because y'all ain't coming nohow. how. Amen. Uh, y'all y'all going to be cooking turkey and ham and whatever else it is y'all plan. On eating, I tried that one year, and I believe it was me and a cat and a and a canary <laughs> that way in here. So I, I learned my lesson. So the uh, we, we have tonight, and we have next Wednesday, and then we're going to have this protracted uh, period of time uh, with those events that we name. So tonight, I want us to turn to the book. Of 2 John. Not John's gospel account. 2 John. This is near the end of the New Testament canon. Tonight we're going to look at 2 John in its entirety. There are no chapters in 2 John. You can't say 2 John chapter 1, because if you say chapter 1, by necessity there must be a chapter 2. Is just second John. And then after that, next week we're going to be looking at third John. And again, there are no chapters in third John. But I think that there are some things in 2nd and 3rd John that might be helpful to us to look at, to review over uh, these two weeks. Let's just read the passage first and then we'll We'll delve into what the passage is about. My dear, I'm reading from the message version. My dear congregation, I, your pastor, love you, love you in very truth. And I'm not alone. Everyone who knows the truth that has taken a permanent residence in us loves you. Let grace, mercy, and peace be with us in truth and love from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, Son of the Father. I can't tell you how happy I am to learn that many members of your congregation are diligent in living out the truth exactly as commanded by the Father. But permit me a reminder, friends, and this is not a new commandment, but simply a repetition of our original and basic charter, that we love each other. Love means following his commandments and his unifying commandment is that you conduct your lives in love. This is the first thing you heard and nothing has changed. There are a lot of smooth talking charlatans loose in the world who refuse to believe that Jesus Christ was truly human, a flesh and blood human being. Give them their true title, deceiver, Antichrist, and be very careful around them so you don't lose out on what we've worked so diligently in together. I want you to get every reward you have coming to you. Anyone who gets so progressive in his thinking that he walks out on the teaching of Christ walks out on God. But whoever stays with the teaching stays faithful to both the Father and the Son. If anyone shows up who doesn't hold to this teaching, don't invite him in and give him the run of the place. That would just give him a platform to perpetuate his evil ways, making you his partner. I have a lot more things to tell you, but I'd rather not use paper and ink. I hope to be there soon in person and have a heart-to-heart talk. That will be far more satisfying to both you and me. Everyone here in your sister congregation sends greetings. All right, that's the passage. Uh, and, and what I want us to focus on is teaching the truth in love, because that's really what, what, what the passage is about, teaching the truth in love. It can be broken down into two sections, and, and, and those Sections are verses 1 through 6 and then verses 7 through 13. In verses 1 through 6, John makes mention of the fact that the church must be sensitive to the life within, within the confines of the church. I can't tell you how many uh, times uh, or, or how many passages in Scripture don't speak to the church on the outside but speak to the church within. Uh, uh, we, we, we spend a lot of our time uh, as Christians looking for trouble outside. Trouble is outside. We, we, we need to make sure that we, we don't let the devil get into the church. Well, if you, if, if you don't want the devil get in the church, don't let nobody in. Because cause, cause, cause the devil comes in the church through people. But the but, but truth is, most of the problems that, that arise within the church don't come from outside uh, uh, folk trying to cause problems with the church. Point of fact, most folk on the outside don't care what's going on in here. It's Wednesday evening at 6.38 p.m. If you ain't here, those who ain't here, ain't wor- I wonder what they're doing in Chicago right now at 6.38 p.m. They ain't thinking about us. To, 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 to use a phrase my grandmother used to use, they ain't studying about you. They, they, they couldn't possibly care less. about. What, that's not where our problems rest. Problems rest from within. Corruption does not start on the outside. Corruption starts on the inside. And so verses 1 through 6 says that we must be sensitive to the life within. And then in verses 7 through 13, John makes mention that the church must be on guard to the to the dangers without. But even when he talks about the dangers without, he's talking about those who were a part of the church who have taken the teachings of Christ and have uh, shifted them, altered them fix them, change them to suit their own means. And we have to be careful of those who do. Now, that's what he means when he says they're smooth-talking charlatans. Smooth-talking charlatans didn't come from the outside. Smooth-talking charlatans came from within. Those who seek to corrupt the church are those who are part of the church. And, and then you would ask, why would they want to corrupt the church? Because they want to use the church for their own ends. That's why. So, the purpose of 2 John is to warn against false teachers that were introducing heresy into uh, this congregation in Asia Minor, with what is now Turkey, uh, the nation of Turkey. Um, in the first century church, there were three uh, primary heresies that arose. Within the church. Now, others arose after the closing of the canon. But within the first century of the church, there were three primary heresies that arose within the church. One was legalism, and it was promoted primarily by folk called Judaizers. Judaizers were Christians of Jewish background, Jewish converts to Christianity who believed that in order for one to truly experience the full salvation of God, that one had to submit to the tenets of the Mosaic Covenant. Uh, And and, and if you did not do that, then you were somehow a lesser Christian, that that you didn't have what the others had. Uh, uh, And and as Brother Bonnie just said, uh, the primary evidence of that and it was for men primarily, was circumcision. That, that if you were not circumcised, then you were somehow a lesser Christian. That, that was one heresy, and, and that's a heresy that Paul and other writers address over and over and over again. Particularly in the book of Galatians, Paul goes at length about uh, this whole idea of circumcision. A second heresy that arose within the church was something called asceticism it's spelled a-s-c-e-t-i-c-i-s-m asceticism and ascetics were those who believed that you had to deprive uh, the needs of the body in order to enrich the soul if you were truly devoted to christ and and christ uh dwelled within you then the, the the indwelling presence of christ was so strong that you could deny the needs of the body because they saw sin as as uh, being directly connected to the sensory perceptions of the body, uh, and so if you denied the body, then you were denying temptation and sin. So ascetics would uh, starve themselves. Uh, f- for example, they, they they would go for protracted. They wouldn't have a fast for a day. They'd have a fast for 30 days, denying themselves uh, anything having to do with pleasures of the body, and 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 some sometimes they would cut themselves and allow themselves to bleed, believing that God would stop the bleeding and. And strengthen them as a result of this. They they would deny themselves the, the the recreation and and the joys of sexual intimacy with one another, even though you were husbands and wives. You 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 denied that because that was a sensual pleasure and it was seen as being sinful and wrong. So you you, you wouldn't have any kind of intimate contact with one another. That that was a second heresy, which is also addressed in these New Testament books. But the heresy that John is addressing here is the third major heresy, and that has to do with Gnosticism. Gnosticism is spelled, even though it starts with an N, it's spelled G-N-O-T-I-C-I-S-M. Gnostics believed that they had a secret knowledge of God that gave them an advantage in their relationship with Christ, with God, that others didn't have, not Christ, with God, because they believed that in addition to, to knowing Jesus, you had to know this secret that the Gnostics had, and only if you knew that secret that the Gnostics had did you have true salvation. This is one of the reasons why I, and I'm speaking now personally, this thing got nothing to do with you. If I'm offending you, I'm not I'm to offend you. I'm, I'm speaking solely for me, not for anybody else. This is why I've always had a problem with secret societies and secret organizations. Uh, I, they're, 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 there is nothing more open than the church. You ain't got to fill out no application to be a part of the church. You don't have to live up to a certain standard to be a part of the church. You don't have to have a certain credit score to be a part of the church. You you don't have to go before a review board and, 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 and allow them to approve you to be a part of the church. The scripture says, whosoever will, let him come and drink freely from the fountain. There's nothing more open than the church. And, and, and so when when I see groups that form themselves, and I ain't talking about Greek organizations because that's not a part of, of, of any kind of spiritual realm. I'm talking about masons and eastern stars and shriners. These are groups that, 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 that are paraspiritual groups. P-A-R-A hyphen S-P-I-R-I-T-U-A-L, paraspiritual. Because they tie their secrecy to their closeness with God. Masons believe that, that they have a secret knowledge of the things of God. Eastern stars believe that they have a secret knowledge of the things of God. Shriners believe they have a secret knowledge of the things of God. And, 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 and that's how you become a part. And then you got degrees. You, get, you, you start off at one degree and then you move up to the next one. And the, and the highest degree is a 33rd degree Mason. I've always had a problem with that because there's nothing, there is absolutely nothing in Scripture that supports the idea that you have to be a part of a secret group. And in fact, that's what Gnosticism is—this whole idea of a secret knowledge of God. Now, what's the danger of that? You say, "Well, what's the harm in that, Reverend?" Here's the harm: you use that to manipulate people. Let me let me teach you a secret. You're pretty good, but 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 let me help you to be better. Come on over here. let, let me for 1995 i can teach you a secret i can help you to get better i can help you to get closer to god i can enrich your relationship. Who don't want to have a richer relationship with god everybody wants to have a richer relationship with god so if you promise me that if i learn your secret i'm going to have a richer relationship with god that's manipulation Here's the key to to, 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 to your richer relationship with God. Do what he said. Well, what did he say? I'm glad you asked. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. A new command I give you. As I have loved you. So should you love one another. Do what he said. And if you do what he says, you'll have a higher, closer, more intimate relationship with God. One of the reasons why we, we are uh, estranged from God, or, or if not estranged, certainly that there is distance between us and God, is because we don't like doing what God said. We don't like loving our. And you, you ain't got no problem with the loving your God part. At least I hope you don't. If you do, you really got a problem. But we have a problem with the loving your neighbor as yourself. Cause some of us don't like our neighbors. And we don't feel like we should have to love our neighbor. Because our neighbors are problems. Do, 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 do you remember when when Jesus taught on this thing and, and he talked about learning to love your neighbor as yourself and, 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 and the, the person that he was teaching got smart-alecky and said, well, who is my neighbor? You, you, you're going to throw that out there. Let, let me challenge you a bit farther. Tell me who my neighbor is. And Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan where a man goes down the road and gets mugged and beaten and left for dead and three folk pass by. The, and, and the key is two of the three folk were Jewish. One was a priest. One was a Levite. And, and, and a Levite was just a special priest. You know, the, the, the priest was reverend but the Levite was reverend doctor. So, <laughs> he, 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 he was a special priest. But, but two of the three were Jewish, and in Jesus' story, those two passed him by and did nothing. The third fellow who comes by is a Samaritan, and Samaritans and Jews had a historic hatred toward one another, but the Samaritan overlooks the fact that this man is Jewish and lends his assistance and, and does not just lend minimal assistance, owes to the nth degree he cares for him he puts him on his animal he takes him to an inn. he watches over him all night he leaves money with the innkeeper and says you watch over him until he gets well if this money isn't enough when i pass back by i'll bring some more money to cover any and all expenses and then jesus asks the question now which one has shown the true neighbor love and 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 the answer was clear and compelling the Samaritan and the point that Jesus was making is that everybody is your neighbor even those who you don't like even those who don't like you it ain't that it ain't that I don't like them it's that they don't like me okay whichever way you want to fix it if, if it helps you to fix it that way then fix it that way they're your neighbor White folk are your neighbor. Republicans are your neighbor. I'm telling you. You you seem to be saying, I don't know, I'm telling you. So if you don't know, it's because you don't wanna know. Rich folk are your neighbor. Donald Trump is your neighbor. Eddie Risponi is your neighbor. I don't want Eddie Risponi to be governor, uh, uh, but 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 Eddie Risponi is my neighbor. I don't want no harm to come to Eddie Risponi. And if I found Eddie Risponi in a bad way, and there was something I could do to help, I would help him. And I wouldn't do it the way uh, an old preacher friend of mine used to say. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be duty bound (laughs) to do it. there there was an associate minister that i had used to always pray lord bless all those i'm duty bound to pray for like i I don't want to be bothered with them but but since i'm bound to do it i'm gonna lift them up in prayer also uh uh, that's that's who your neighbor is that's the call that's the charge of the church And, and so i have always had a problem with with this whole idea of secret societies, secret para-spiritual. I, I know that that your fraternal organizations, your 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 cues and your AKs. I, I know y'all got your secrets. They don't, they don't amount to nothing, know how. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> uh, but 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 at least they don't pretend to be para-spiritual. They 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 just want to act like they're better than everybody else. So they form these exclusive little. Clubs, okay, heidi tidy, hoity, toy, whatever you want to call that. But 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 I do have a problem with the para-spiritual groups because they, they 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 cause some people to believe that it's this knowledge of God that makes you And what they're really doing is practicing what is described here in this text as Gnosticism. Do you follow that? They are follow, they are practicing not not they would never use the term Gnosticism, but if you know what Gnosticism means, and if you look at what they're doing, then that's exactly what it is. Yes, sir. What about Nazarites? No, Nazarite that Nazarite is a different thing altogether. A Nazarite was one who took a vow that they that 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 they would do certain things in order to draw their closeness to God. They would not cut their hair. They would not drink wine. They would not cut. uh, They they would not touch uh, anything that was dead. Okay, Nazarites did that in order to draw close. And there's nothing wrong with those kinds of vows. There's nothing wrong with saying I'm going to fast You know, whenever we get close to the spring revival, we ask for those who can to fast from sunrise until noon. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you hear me asking y'all to fast for the the two weeks leading up to the revival, go ahead and call Jackson and have them come pick me up. Because something has gone wrong with my mind. Amen. That, 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 That... There's nothing wrong with with a Nazaritic vow. But but this whole idea of being para-spiritual, that, see, the whole, the problem with Gnosticism, and, and the reason why John fights it so hard is because Gnosticism says that I need something more than Jesus in order to be saved. And that's dangerous. I, I'm having fun with this because I like having fun with, with stuff like that. But, but, but there, there, there is a very serious content uh, uh, in Gnosticism that, that's behind all of this, and that is I need something more than Jesus in order to have the full experience of salvation. And I'd be fine with that if the Scripture said it, but the Scripture doesn't say it. And because the Scripture doesn't say it, I can't be fine with it. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He didn't say whoever believes in him and follows this secret knowledge. He didn't add anything to it. He said, whoever believes in him should not perish. Acts chapter 16, when the Philippian jailer uh, pulls out Paul and Silas and, and, and falls before them and says, what must I do to be saved? Paul says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall Say, he doesn't say believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and learn the secrets of the Gnostics. There is nothing else. So when when we put something else with Jesus, it's a dangerous thing. Do you remember when Jesus is transfigured on, on, on the mountain? He, he carries Peter, James, and John up on a mountain, and there he's transfigured, and, and he's uh, in a conversation and and the scripture identifies who he's in a conversation with. He has Moses on one side and he has Elijah on the other. and, And the three of them were there talking and, and Peter says, Lord it's good for us to be here. And we need to build three tabernacles right here. One to you, one to Moses and one To Elijah. And very quickly, God drops a cloud over them. And then the voice of God speaks in the cloud. And the voice says, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. And when the cloud was lifted, there was no Moses. There was no Elijah, just Jesus. My point is this we have always sought to put something else with Jesus to heighten our spiritual experience. But the scripture does not support it. Does the scripture say that there are other things? Yes but not that those other things are necessary in order to have a heightened spiritual experience with God. For example, the scripture talks about tongues, speaking in tongues. I'm using Gnostic stuff, modern-day Gnostic stuff, to try to make myself plain. About 35 years ago, there was this movement about speaking in tongues. Well, it had probably been around longer than that, but it hit television, and then it hit cable, And so we went into everybody's house and y'all started bringing that foolishness into our churches (laughs) where you had to speak in a tongue. In order to have a heightened spiritual experience with God, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not opposed to speaking in tongues. It is a legitimate gift of the Holy Spirit, but I don't have to speak in tongues. And dare I say, I've never spoken in tongues. It's not my gift. But I don't believe that my salvation is less than yours because I've never spoken in tongues. Jesus never spoke in tongues. Want want me to tell you a quick story? Remember when when we were doing all these seven last word services? I went to a seven last word service one year. And the preacher, I ain't going to tell you who it was. I'm just going to tell you one of the preachers got up there and said that when Jesus said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that he was speaking in tongues. And it wasn't a tongue. It was Aramaic. That's how, that, that that's how people, that's how desperate people were to get you to believe Jesus teaches about the Holy Spirit in John chapters 14, 15, and 16. Never once does he mention speaking in tongues. He talks about the presence of the Holy Spirit. He talks about the comfort of the Holy Spirit. He talks about the fact that the Holy Spirit will reveal truth to us. He talks about the fact that the Holy Spirit will take up residence in our lives and will never leave us. He talks about the fact that the Holy Spirit will convict the world of its sin. But he never once mentions speaking in tongues the first mention of speaking in tongues the first let me clarify the first legitimate mention of speaking in tongues is found in the acts of the apostles and i'm not talking about acts chapter two because what is described in acts chapter two is not speaking in ecstatic utterances scripture says that as they spoke they were heard by all those present in their own native language well your own native language is not a tongue but later in the acts of the apostles you you, you do have mention of the gift of tongues and paul speaks extensively in first corinthians about the gift of speaking in tongues nobody's here to deny the fact that th- that that there is a legitimate gift of speaking in tongues. I got off track. But about 35, 40 years ago, as cable was making their way into the homes of America and people were filling their airways with, with things like PTL and the 700 Club and, 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 and all of these Pentecostal groups that were on television. I ain't got nothing against Pentecostals for those who are listening to the podcast. I ain't got nothing against Pentecostals. But, but they taught that unless you speak in a tongue, that you didn't have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's Gnosticism. I have, to, I have to have something more than Jesus. Nothing in the scripture says that. Now somebody's going to say, well what you going to do with Mark chapter 16 where it says you will speak in unknown tongues. I'm glad you asked. Turn to Mark chapter 16. I'm gonna I'm tell you what to do with it. And you, and you ain't gonna like what I'm gonna tell you. But I'm gonna tell you anyway. Look at Mark chapter 16, starting with verse eight. Sorry, verse nine. After rising from the dead, Jesus appeared early on Sunday morning to Mary Magdalene, whom he had delivered from seven demons. She went to his former companions, now weeping and carrying on, and told them when they heard her report that she had seen him alive and well. They didn't believe her. Later he appeared, but in a different form, to two of them out walking in the countryside. They went back and told the rest, but they weren't believed either. Still later, as the eleven were eating supper, he appeared and took them to task most severely for their stubborn unbelief, refusing to believe those who had seen him raised up. Then he said, Go into the world go everywhere and announce the message of God's good news to one and all. Whoever believes and is baptized is saved. Whoever refuses to believe is damned. These are some of the signs that will accompany believers. They will throw out demons in my name. They will speak in new tongues. They will take snakes in their hands. They will drink poison and not be hurt. They will lay hands on the sick and make them well. And somebody's saying, well, there it is, Reverend. He he talks about speaking in tongues right there. But read at the very bottom. If you got a good Bible, and not everybody has a good Bible, but if you got a good Bible, read at the very bottom of Mark chapter 16. And what it says, what it says in my Bible, because I got a good Bible. Mark chapter 16, verses 9 through 20 is contained only in later manuscripts. What does that mean? That means somebody added it later. It wasn't a part of the earliest manuscripts. Somebody looked at Mark's gospel and said, it ain't got enough in it. I need to add a little something. And they added that to it. And so when I say there is no place legitimately in, in the gospel accounts where Jesus speaks about tongues, this is the only place where Jesus mentions, where, where, where tongues are mentioned in Jesus' mouth. Only place. And it ain't legitimate. That is not to say that tongues is not legitimate. I want to be very clear on that again. It is only to say that you don't have to speak in tongues to have a close relationship with God. You don't. And by the way, if you, if you want to have a close relationship with God because you speak in tongues, then let me see you go drink some Ajax. It says they will drink poison and not be hurt. If you want to have this close relationship with God, let me see you go grab some rattlers. Go to bed tonight with a rattler wrapped around your neck. How is it that we pull out one part and leave the rest of it there? Don't make no sense to me. Gnosticism. Gnosticism wasn't just the heresy that John talked about formally. Gnosticism exists even today. Anytime we say that we need more than Jesus, we're practicing Gnosticism. And John says that Gnosticism is evil because Gnosticism takes your eyes off of Christ We have to be very careful that we don't put anyone or anything in the place where Jesus and Jesus alone occupies. So, in the first six verses, I've taken 38 minutes. In the first six verses of Second John, John lifts up the fact that there are things that were going on within the church that we have to be on guard against. John tells us three things within these verses that are important. Number one, and I think I've already emphasized that perhaps sufficiently, the life of the church centers on a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and nothing else. Let's talk about that for, for just a second. All of us in here are part of a local church. Most of you, if not all of you, are, are members of this local church, and, and that's fine. We're grateful to have you here at Shiloh. But let's be clear. Some of us who are in the church, perhaps nobody in here, but many members in, 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 in this Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church care less about Jesus and more about their thing in the church. In fact, for many, Jesus is secondary to what they're about. There's some folk in this church, I ain't calling no names, I ain't looking, I'm looking at the clock on the wall. (laughs) for, For some people, Singing is more important than Jesus. All they want to do is sing. And if they ain't singing, they ain't coming. If it's my Sunday to sing, I'll be there. If it ain't my Sunday to sing, I ain't going. Some of y'all were here. Uh, in 1997 when Shiloh started two worship experiences. It it was in 1997, 22 years ago, when when, when they started two worship experiences. And at that time, uh, the responsibility of the music ministry was for each choir to sing both services on the given Sunday. So if you sang on first Sunday, the same choir sang at eight and sang at 11 on the second Sunday Eight and 11. you get it. It changed about four months in. You know why? Because folk in the choir would sing at eight, and they'd sing at eleven. But as soon as they got through singing at eleven, many of them would grab their purses. Their wall- I shouldn't say purses. They would grab their gear. And they would leave. Because for them, it wasn't about worship. It wasn't about the word. It was about singing. And when they had sung the last song that they were supposed to sing, they grabbed their stuff. And they were out the door. And the pastor of this church fussed at the choir, threatened the choir, and did all kinds of stuff talking about the choir. And they kept on grabbing their stuff and sliding out the door. All you had to do was say it was altar call. And they thought people were coming down for prayer. They were coming down and scooting right on out the door. That's the reason why we have these staggered choirs right now. Because it it, it was an understanding that there were some folk who were more concerned about singing and they were about worship. Then they were about the word of God. And that's unfortunate. But it's real. So, so the life of the church centers on a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and nothing else. If anything else is at the center, you you think I'm just picking on music, but it's true about a whole lot of other things. I just use music as an example because it was was the most immediate one that came to my mind. When you come to worship 15 minutes late and leave worship 10 minutes early, and you come 15 minutes late because you don't like the praise and worship here, so I ain't coming until that's over. And as soon as the preacher finishes on, I don't want to hear nothing about just as I am. I don't, want, I don't want the hymn of invitation. I don't want nothing else to happen. I'm ready to go now. You're putting other things. You're putting you ahead of Jesus. When you come to church, deacons, and count the money, but won't come into worship, when the money it's, it, it's finished being counted I got somewhere else to go you're putting something else ahead of Jesus ushers after you've pranced up and down the aisle if you say I got somewhere else to go I got another meeting to go to you're putting something else ahead I got a, I got a whole list of stuff that I can use. Because unfortunately, for many of us, Jesus is incidental and secondary to our church experience. For some people, the church is, is just about me having an opportunity to put my talent on display. Now, understand, historically the black church was the only place where, where black folk could put their talent on display. There's nothing wrong with that, but that shouldn't be the central thing. If the only reason why you come to church is to put your talent on display, and if your talent ain't on display on this particular Sunday, so you ain't going, that tells me something about your priorities we have to be better than that John says that the life of the church centers on a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and nothing else then John tells us that the benefit of being in Christ is his promise that he will always be with us One of the great things about being a part of the church is not just that we have the opportunity to fellowship with one another, but that collectively we are all under the fellowship of Christ. That Jesus dwells within us. That Jesus binds us together. When we pray, Lord, give us a love that runs from heart to heart and from breast to breast. Bind Mm -hmm. us together in a bond of love that's so strong that one can't fall for the other. Where do you think that love comes from? You sure know it don't come from you. That love comes from Jesus. It is the love of Christ that causes us to, to, who have no other common interest. People who who are not bound together by blood or by kinship or by geography, but have found their way into this local congregation. What binds us together if it ain't the love of Jesus Christ? And the promise is that not only will he be with us, but that he won't leave us. That once we receive him, he is with us forever. And if we are confident in the fact that he is with us forever, then that gives us certain reassurances. And then John says that we have to recognize the relationship between truth and love. Look at the passage again. Look, look at the first six verses again. My dear congregation, I, your pastor, love you in very truth. Love you in very truth. And I'm not alone. Everyone who knows the truth that has taken a permanent residence in us loves you. That grace, mercy, and peace be with us in truth and love from god the father and from jesus christ son of the father he he ties together repeatedly the concept of love and truth so somebody ought to be thinking as you're sitting there reading that what truth are you talking about the truth that he's talking about is not a a a secret knowledge the truth that he's talking about is jesus Whenever you see the word truth in John's gospel or in John's writings, John John is responsible for John's gospel account for 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and the revelation. He, He writes five of our New Testament books. Whenever you see the word truth in John, one of those epistles or the revelation, truth is a reference to Jesus. Where'd you get that from? John chapter 14. Verse 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So when, 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 when he says truth and love, truth is Jesus. And love is what Jesus brought to us. So that there is a permanent connection between the two. Yes, sir. Right. Right. That's, that's actually talking about the fact that the presence of Christ is not with him. And, and, and it doesn't say that the devil's not. We say the devil is alive. It says if, if you say that you love God, whom you have never seen, and you hate your neighbor, whom you see every day. You are not the devil. You are a liar. And the truth is not in you. You are a liar, and Jesus does not reside in your heart. There there is in this passage a connection between truth and love and the the connection is that Jesus is truth and love is what he brings to us a specific kind of love agape love without limit and without restriction now let me tell you something Love is hard enough under any circumstances but when you say love without limit and love without restriction you have just moved from arithmetic to quantum physics. I can't not love you, not if I'm in Christ. I cannot not love you if I am in Christ. I cannot set parameters on my love if I am in Christ. And you're sitting there saying, well, that's just ridiculous. Well, then blame Jesus. Don't blame me. I'm not the one who said it. It is that kind of fanatical, ridiculous, extreme kind of love that he asks us to have. First for him, and then for one another. And he gave us evidence of it. Greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down... His life for his friends. That's, 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 that's the comparison. That's the thing that we're trying to, 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 to live toward. Are you willing to move past arithmetic love to quantum physics love? Jesus tells a parable about a boy who who wastes his father's money, runs off and takes takes what what, what his father gives him, runs off, throws the money away, and then comes home and asks for the father to allow him to stay somewhere on the estate. And, and, And Jesus says that the father would not settle for that. Go get rings and put them on his fingers. Go get sandals and put them on his feet. Go get a new robe and put it around him. Go kill the fatted calf and call everyone in. We're going to have a party because this, my son, who was dead, is now alive. He was blind and now he sees. In that, Jesus is showing us the radical, extreme nature of the love of God. You hurt me in the, in the deepest way that you could hurt me. You took yourself away, and then you took my stuff away, and then you threw all my stuff away. And then you got nerve enough to come back here and say, just let me stay. Some, so, some of y'all wouldn't say, no, it's all right, but, but, but don't get close, you keep your distance. But Jesus says, "This father brings him close, embraces him, holds him, draws him in, and puts him right back. Does't he have the opportunity to hurt him again? Yes, he does. I ain't going to never give nobody that chance again. It's a radical love. And the radical love that he has shown toward us, he expects us to show toward one another. Now, I want you to think about what I just said. I I, I got five minutes left. I want you to think about what I just said and ask yourself, do I have a love that approaches anything like that? Go ahead. Think about it. Close your eyes. Think about it. Ain't going to make you think long because you ain't got to think long. Because the ants ought to come rushing to the surface. No. I ain't got it. Then we got work to do. We can't settle for what we have done. We, 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 we can't settle for, 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 for how we have acted in the past. We have work to and then in the last part of, of, of the letter, he talks about the fakers, the manipulators. And, and, and I've already mentioned that. But let me mention four things very quickly uh, that, that he calls for us to do with regard to them. First of all, be realistic about their deceptive nature. Recognize that they are deceivers. And recognize that there are deceivers in the world. Recognize that not everybody who says they love you loves you. Recognize that not everybody who claims to care about you actually cares about you. Recognize that not everybody who says they love the Lord or know the Lord loves or knows the Lord. Recognize that there are deceivers. Out there, be realistic about it. Don't don't be naive about it. Some people see Christianity as a naive walk. I just believe that clouds are made of cotton balls and <laughs> the moon is made of green cheese. And and, and, and and if you just treat everybody nice, then everybody's gonna treat you nice oh. as well. That that's the way some people think Christianity Christianity ought to be. That's not what Jesus subscribes to, and that's not what John is advocating here. He's saying recognize what's out there, but also recognize how to deal with it. And here's how you deal with it don't stoop to their level. Every day, all hours of the day we are tempted to stoop to somebody else's level don't do it don't fall victim to it recognize who they are and let let, let me say this I, i know what i just said about reconciliation and bringing everybody back in if you ain't ready to do it wait till you're ready Don't bring folk into you who you ain't ready to deal with. Because that's poison to your system. All of us are, are, are on a road to spiritual maturity. And not all of us are in the same place on that road. I know I ain't today where I was five years ago. And I pray that if the Lord gives me five years, I won't be then where I am today I'm in the process of becoming and so I recognize what Jesus says I also recognize what I'm capable of and what I ain't capable of and if I'm not capable then I need to learn how to, to to work my way around that don't don't let you don't let yourself be fooled by the deceivers second he says watch yourselves to abide in the teaching of Christ If you hear false teaching, you ought to be so steeped in the Word of God that it just ought not sit well with you. You ain't got to go to seminary to figure out that some of the stuff that folk are saying ain't right. If Jesus reigns in your heart, you ought to just know it don't feel right. This doesn't sit well in my spirit, and, and when you see something that, that, that doesn't sit well, let it go. Third, because I'm out of time. Third, don't encourage false teachers. I'm gonna send him $29.95 so he'll get off my TV set. No, don't do that, because now he's on your TV, he's on your Facebook page, he's on your Instagram page, he's on your Snapchat page, he's on every piece of social media that you got. Don't do that, don't encourage false teachers. When somebody comes to you with foolishness, tell them what you're saying is not in keeping with the word of God. I'm not going to abide by that. Sometimes we, we, we're too nice for our own good. Finally, maintain fellowship with others who serve as we do and share our doctrine. You ought to find somebody who serves like you do. You ought to find somebody who thinks like you do you ought to find somebody who prays like you do and when you find that person latch on to them and don't let them go they'll do you good and you'll do them good and the partnership will help benefit the two of you and the body of Christ I gotta stop just as I am without one plea but that thy blood was shed for me that thou bidst me come to thee O lamb of God I come Let's sing a verse of that and if there's one we invite you to come just as i am without one plea but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou biddest me come To thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I... Repeat after me, please. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Y'all have a good evening.